Hey everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. I'm excited that we have so many films to cover. I just want to get right to it. I am joined by Bruce Perky. He is calling himself right now, We Are Little Perkies. Bruce, obviously that's a mention towards one of the move, many movies you're covering this week. That's true. It is. Yes. That that's true. And how many how many bleeping movies did you you were message you were messaging me how many movies you have? Uh, I think many, I counted seventeen or eighteen movies this week. Seventeen. How many? Wait, no, no. Better question. How many movies are you, are you leaving out that you saw within the last seven days? Are you begrudgingly leaving? Um, out? I'm leaving out that I could talk about. I mean, yeah, I could talk about yeah. f- fifteen more movies, but wow. <laughs> there's probably at least five, four or five that would be worthy to talk about. So I, I really had to pick the cream of the crop. So. Okay. Well, Eric Holmes, neither me nor you were also joined by Eric Holmes. He rounds out the crew. Eric, do you have a lot? You don't have as much as Bruce Perky this week or. No, <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> not, you, oh, you know what? You have a good reason. Bruce. I mean, you've been, you've been hanging out in your, in your domicile for the last week, right? Watching just a ton of movies. That's what's yep. the deal. Okay. I'll be back to work next week and then it'll get back down to maybe seven or eight in the week. So normal. Okay, normal, normal. Eric Holmes, but you have a good excuse because you've been working on this really open world, expansive RPG that will tie into your upcoming movie whenever you shoot it. Yep. Can you t- can you tell listeners what's going on and how you've been putting on uh, putting in countless months and hours in this project? Yeah, it, it, uh, mentioned in previous episodes, it started as a lark and turned into a kind of a full time job almost. But uh, I've, I'm finally to where I have uh, prototypes about ready to send out, and I'll be sending you and, uh, and Bruce one, uh, as well as I believe uh, William Lindis and the Movie Bears are getting one as well. And I got enough. I got some more dice coming in, and I might have a couple extra prototypes uh, in case anyone listening to this uh, would like to uh, receive a prototype and, uh, maybe do some play testing with us in the near future. The game's not going to be perfect. It's not perfect. I, I mean, I've played it a couple times. It's fun, but there's still a little stuff to tweak out, but that's what prototyping's about. That's what play testing's about. You know, you kind of, it's like the writing a script, you write the script and then it's pretty good, but you rewrite it a little bit and kind of, you know, narrow it down and make it from good to great. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And if you're listening and you'd like to uh, try something, hit us up or hit me up and I will uh, send you a prototype. I don't have many left. I, I might have like one or two extra, but, you know, anybody's interested, I'll be more than happy to allow you to play with us. Okay. Eric Holmes on our podcast show notes. I'm going to leave your email with a link so people can actually yes. hit up Mr. Eric Holmes about his new game. Uh, before we get into movies and movie rewinds, big movie of the week, Eric Look in the mirror. What's the best part of your game right now? Pat yourself on the back. What do you love the most about the game that you've been working on? You've been slaving oh. on. What's the, what's, what's the best feature? Come on. Be, uh, be narcissistic the, for once. Uh, the, uh, uh, the fighting feature, uh, it's, it's hard to say. There, so there's two different groups of people. You got the people and you got the vampires. People fight the vampires and the battle system's just one way. But while the people are fighting the vampires, the vampires are trying to sneak inside the house. There's a lot of stuff that the vampire characters are doing that the humans are never privy to until they do it. And then they have to deal with it and <laughs> make decisions on the fly. Nice. You know, Bruce Perky, if this film goes off and the game go the board game goes off could be a video game who knows this guy eric holmes big time big time 
Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just waiting for my bucket list. I want to be. I want to have die horribly in some kind of a movie. So I'm working. Got to keep me alive long enough in real life so I can do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're excited. So get on this, Eric. <laughs> we're excited to play your game, Eric Holmes. I, I know you don't want to spill any more details, but that's that's some really cool details that you've already spilled for your game. Now, before our main movie review this week is The Midnight Sky. It's with George Clooney, directed by George Clooney. We're going to get that in, in, uh, in a second. Comes out December 23rd on Netflix. But before we do everything... Before we get to the main review, we always do a movie rewind where maybe one of us catches up on a previous review that the other person did. Does do any of us have a movie rewind for this week? For this I week, do. no. I Next do. week I will because I got your uh, I got your little package in the mail, but I did not have time to. Uh, we'll be uh, rewinding that next week for sure. So, listeners, audio. If you're listening to audio, I just I sent Eric Holmes a my Blu-ray copy of Black Sabbath for him to keep or to give it to any one of you listeners who wants to actually check out this Bava classic. We've been talking about Mario Bava every week. I think Bruce Perky for the last, I I think we're going on maybe seven or eight weeks when we're mentioning, or maybe six or seven weeks where we've mentioned Mario Bava at least once a week. This is a running thread. And you know what? Even though Eric Holmes, you're not doing a rewind on Black Sabbath, which by the way is one of of the film we, we alluded to last week. It's one of the films with, Quentin Tarantino growing up really influenced him as a filmmaker and storyteller that and the good the bad and the ugly at least we were able you're not reviewing it rewinding at least we got to mention Mario Bava one more time but Bruce you have something you have a rewind this week what did you see yes well I was ordered by you last week to watch Falling in Love so (laughs) I think that night I started watching it and I finished it the next day so I watched Falling in Love I don't have all the information in front of me so if I might forget um, the director and all that, but uh, oh, you talked about Ulu, Ulu Grossbard, yes, Meryl Streep and Robert De Niro. They play a married mm-hmm. couple. They're not married to each other. They're married to different people. They take the train into New York, and mm-hmm. Bruce, that's that's all. Yeah, yeah, that. and that's pretty much it. And it's and it's you know starts with them. They're both married. They're meeting. Uh, they keep having coincidental meetings, which of course in New York is a little bit very coincidental, considering how many millions of people are there. But your your whole take on it was that the chemistry and the acting elevated it and kind of maintained from the Deer Hunter with those two actors, even though that the the movie itself was kind of a fairly sort of traditional uh, love story. And I, I agree exactly with kind of your take on it. If they weren't in this acting out these roles, it oh, would, sure. def- it would be s- much more forgettable, but they give a gravitas to scenes because of just, just the gestures and the looks and the expressions and just the way they act. I mean, they breathe a lot of life and tension and emotion into scenes that could have been Super corny and are not. Although, right, the soundtrack doesn't do a lot of help. The soundtrack is very of its time. <laughs> it's very of its time, yeah. and it's it's a little too it's a little too syrupy romance for what this movie actually is. Because this movie is a little bit heavier than it is playing out in the music. And you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it starts out with kind of you know the idea that they're both kind of getting something from each other that they're not getting in their marriages. You know, her husband is kind of cold and i didn't write down the name of the actor but he he was in the thing and he actually is in one of the hal ashby's movies we'll do next week when we do a hal ashby special we're pushing that off a little bit he's Um, being there being there yeah yep when they are finally uh, getting together or not getting together i won't reveal how it 
plays out. Some of those scenes, the way they play them out are pretty damn intense. And they're intense in just the acting between the two actors. I won't say how the very final scene works, but I was actually kind of emotionally struck by the way that the final scene plays out. And it didn't play out exactly as I expected it to. And I really loved the choices the actors made in that final scene. So how would I rate this movie? <laughs> <laughs> if I were rating it on the script and everything, it might be, uh, I don't know, two and a half or so. If I was rating it just purely on the acting, it's probably about a four. I'd say maybe it loses a half point because the soundtrack is so obtrusive. So I'll say three and a half stars. It's good. That's good. That's a solid yeah. recommendation. It's yeah, 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 yeah. I would say if, if you have never seen it, if nothing else. Oh, and it's kind of weird to have like Kaitel is in there. And Diane Wiest is in there. So you kind of have this troop of actors you've seen together or in vicinity of each other in the, all these other more serious movies. And it's kind of like they all ended up in this movie. It's very strange. Yeah, it's weird. Eric Holmes, Harvey Keitel, and Diane Wiest, they play the best friends of, each, mm-hmm. of the other person. So Meryl Streep's best friend is Diane Wiest. You know, Oscar winner, right? Diane Weiss. And then and then De Niro's best friend is his buddy from Mean Streets, Harvey Keitel. So it's really it's a it's some it's a weird stuff. It's some weird stuff. Yeah. Harvey Keitel doesn't play Harvey Keitel. Oh, yeah. oh, I do have one more comment about this movie. And I, I don't know if you were struck by this, Greg. I was really struck by how difficult it must have been to make this movie. Because this movie is is I would say like 80% on location in huge crowd right. scenes in New York. Like there's, they're in the middle of the train station with tons of people. They're on the streets with tons of people. Like there's all these shots of them on the streets of New York. And you're like, how did they produce that? It must've been insane. Yeah, that's it's deceptively like, ambitious, right? Deceptively yes, ambitious. Yes, super yeah, okay. ambitious. It did not have to be that for this movie. They could have had them meet in restaurants every time they talked or bookstores. Like they do once in a bookstore. Yeah. Even then it's full of people. So it's a... It's kind of interesting in that aspect. It's kind of the flip side of something like Taxi Driver, where you're seeing like the super seedy real life New York. Here you're kind of seeing the the hustle bustle kind of working world of New York and like everyday life in New York. So it's kind of interesting in that way too, I think, as a time capsule. I will say this. I do disagree with you on this. I love the soundtrack to Falling in no, Love because no, it is such a so time cheesy. capsule. Eric Holmes, I know you don't, it's hard for you to have time. Down the road, please, Mark. Falling in Love, currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video, starring Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep, like Bruce Perky says. And you listener, listeners, if you haven't seen Falling in Love, I mean, I don't know, on our last Cinematics episode, Anderson was talking about having a, a poster of Falling in Love in his in his room as a teenager. And I don't know why he actually had one of those posters. It is weird. To Not a swimsuit that. model. He had Falling in Love. <laughs> he had Falling in Love. You, you think maybe King of Comedy, please? Or something like that? Oh, yeah. If you want to go like hardcore cinema. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe if he had a, 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 a complete uh, literary kind of phase, maybe Sophie's Choice or something. But that is weird that he had Falling in Love. But Eric Holmes, definitely give uh, Falling in Love a shot. And you listener would love to hear what you guys think of Falling in Love. Thank you so much, Bruce Perky, for that wonderful movie rewind on Falling in Love. I forgot what year it was, but again, it is an like a 1984 type of movie. So now our main our main movie this this week, our big movie, The Midnight Sky, again, December 23rd, Netflix. It is directed by George Clooney, stars George Clooney. It's based on the book by Lily Brooks Dalton. And it I don't know. Uh, it centers on a what, what would you say, Bruce? He, George Clooney he plays a scientist. It's quote unquote a lonely scientist in the Arctic. 
what happens now is the world is coming to an end. That's not, that's not a spoiler because that's in the trailer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the world is coming to an end. He is stationed in the Arctic because he is sort of the last man standing, last man standing because there is, there are, there is a ship spaceship. Yes. A ship out there in space that maybe he might serve as a beacon for, you know, just to warn them that maybe do not, do not come to earth because we are now a wasteland. So I guess that's the only reason why he's he's the only guy in the Arctic surviving this apocalypse, I guess. So that's the main plot. And Bruce, can you tell me can you tell the listeners what's the other side the the sign the uh the spaceship? What's it, what's that about? So you got so the idea is I think it starts also with uh has like a type across the screen like 3 weeks since the event or something like that. So some sort of apocalyptic event or apocalyptic type event. Uh, you don't know if it's a pandemic or nuclear meltdown or what it is. Um, but yes, the other the other side of it is there's a ship of kind of colonists or ex- they were a, a group of people sent out to a previously undiscovered moon of Jupiter because it supposedly has Earth-like characteristics and might be habitable. And they're looking at it as a possible place to recolonize. And that ship is coming back to Earth and Clooney wants to warn them that they shouldn't come back to Earth because it's bad now. And that's kind of the basic parallel stories that are going on. It's those two stories, essentially. Yeah. So Eric Holmes, you saw it. What is your gut reaction when you first saw The Midnight Sky? Were you excited to see this movie? Are you a fan of George Clooney? And what was your overall impression of this film? Um, I, I'm kind of... I love George Clooney and Dust Till Dawn. And... Uh, I remember liking him in Roseanne when he played the cool guy. I think his name was Booker. But, you know, <laughs> George Clooney's kind of, I don't love him. I don't hate him. But uh, he doesn't move the needle for me one way or another. But usually if I see him in something, usually end up thinking it's okay at least. And when he directs, that's really hit or miss. But this one, I kind of liked it. But again, as I mentioned with uh, The Wandering Earth, there were some things that really uh, bugged me. Not nearly as much as The Wandering Earth, mind sure. you. So the planet, well, not planet, the uh, one of the moons of Jupiter, the idea that there was a moon that we don't know of seemed a little odd, but whatever. But the fact that the moon is uh, heated by geothermal energy, that was a really cool little detail they threw in there. The visuals looked great. Like when they're on the planet and, and Jupiter's on the skyline, that, that looks fantastic. All the space scenes look cool. The story itself, I liked with uh, George Clooney and the uh, other person he's with. I don't know how much we want to get into that. Uh, it's got kind of it's got kind of a Logan vibe to it. Yeah, or a, I, I see that. Uh, or a lone wolf and cub. And between uh, Logan and Mandalorian, there seems to be a lot of uh, people cribbing from Lone Wolf and Cub recently. And I'm not quite <laughs> sure why, but, you know, I, well, I guess this is based on a book. So you kind of have to, you know, let that go. But uh, yeah, the, the parts with George Clooney and the other person on Earth, I like those scenes. The other scenes I liked okay, but that's kind of where it, that's kind of where it, that's kind of where I backed off a little bit. I, I wasn't as into the space crew as I was on the story with George Clooney and the other person on the planet. Would you recommend this movie? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. It, it was definitely, it, it definitely wasn't a bad movie. There was definitely, there, there were some things that could be better, but overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. And it, it definitely, as far as uh, George Clooney directed movies, this is probably top tier for me. Not that it's a high bar to clear, but it's a bar and. <laughs> <laughs> it's a but, bar. Uh, it's a bar. Yeah. And oh, the, yeah. uh, oh, you could probably look this up. The uh, writer, Mark. L- Lester, Lester, yeah, he's written some. Um, uh, Mark L- no, no, wait, Mark L. Smith. There you I was go. Thinking of yeah. Mark L. Lester because I was looking up the class of 1984 today, but his name's Mark L. Smith. Yeah, and that uh, showdown little Tokyo guy. Yes, but, it uh, is. It is very good. Very good, Eric Hobbs. <laughs> yeah, he's written some stuff, and I cannot remember, but I remember liking a lot of what he's written. One of them was a remake of Martyrs, which I haven't seen the remake. Uh, the original Martyrs is great, obviously. Right. I don't know if you have his IMDb up, but you can probably oh. go through his writing credits. He's got some. He's got some bangers for sure. He's got some bangers. You know what? I I thought speaking of bangers. Here's the good thing about the Midnight Sky before we get to you, Bruce Berkey. I totally love the lone wolf and cub element to this. I love George Clooney and the little girl. There's a little girl who's left behind. It's not a spoiler. It's seen in the trailers, I believe. I'm just saying it's seen in the trailers because I'm sure they put in the trailers. He's wandering. He's hanging out with this little girl, this little child. And the scientist, he's been alone for most of his life, flashes back to him, to his himself as a youth becoming just just like basically shielding himself, shielding himself from intimacy. So maybe right now towards the end of his life, because he's the only, supposedly he's the only person on earth. He finds this other girl. They, they have a mission to actually go to another part of the Arctic to communicate with the spaceship, this ship that is commandeered by Felicity Jones is in the ship. David Oyelowo is in it. Demian Bashir. Kyle Chandler and Tiffany Boone. They are the other people who they are the other part of the story. The lone wolf and cub stuff is great. There are, it feels a little bit like the revenant when they go out into the sort of the wilderness with the snowy wilderness and Eric Holmes, you're going to say something. I, the revenant's one of the mo- other movies that uh, Mark right. L. Uh, Smith. Smith. Wrote. Yes. And Mark L. Mark L. Lester wrote uh, <laughs> directed showdown, little, little Tokyo. I loved it. Bruce Porky, what did you think of the, about the spaceship part? Because I think I might the spaceship part. Uh, well, I actually was gonna I was gonna write a little poem about this. Um, but I shortened it down to a really short poem. Uh-oh. I wrote Uh-oh. S is for space and L is for liftoff, O is for orbit and G is for George. And what does that spell? Awesome. Slog. Oh come on, slog. Oh. Okay, so the space stuff. I totally agree. I mean, the space stuff seemed really it seemed kind of pointless, like nothing really happened. And then when things did happen, I was really tropey. I thought like there's a point where they do a spacewalk and well, it's kind of funny. Me and my son watched this together and um, I kind of was curious what he would thought, think. And we were both talking about when they do a spacewalk, we were like, I'm not going to spoil it. But I said like, there's only one reason the spacewalk is occurring right now. And it was true. That is why that spacewalk occurred is what happened in the story. But even worse. And I, unfortunately, I totally disagree with the earth stuff because Oh, really? The relationship that was built up on Earth from the very moment it started, I predicted what it was. And I thought, it surely can't be that. That would just be way too, that's just way too much of a stereotype to have that be the thing. So I started during the story writing different versions of how that could happen. 
that would be more interesting, but then it ended up being what it was, which I'm not going to say what it was. And I was just like, "Hmm, no, that's to me. It's like, and this is not saying what it is. No one will know. But to me, it's like the, it was just a dream or something, you know, that kind of a, a story where it's like, it was just a dream, you know, it's like, uh, production design action. Uh, did you, did there wasn't much action? The look of it. Eric was talking about the visuals. Yeah. I mean, it looked effects. good. Yeah. It looked good, but it just nothing happened. It was like Clooney walks from one place to another and a spaceship comes back and yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, but I, think- I mean, when the spaceship came back, I was like, what's going to happen? Something going to happen? I mean, something kind of did happen, like I said, in that one really tropey thing. But other than that, there was like all those like really, I thought, cheesy like holograph logs where it's like, oh, the cat <laughs> likes you the best. I'm like, oh, I can see where this is coming. And then later on, the cat came again and it was so sad. that, that I can't say why. But no, this is <laughs> no. This I love I love the the Earth part, sad. the spaceship. Okay, so you would you definitely do not, did not like the movie. I ended up liking the movie. I no, ended. Up- I think I think that people who are going in for an exciting space adventure are going to be bored to tears. So here is what I think, and I'll stop because I, Mister Bruce, Mister Negativity, Bruce is always the bad one. You know, um, <laughs> this strikes me as a story when it was a book had a ton of internal stuff going on. This seems to me like when you have these two characters going across the ice and these people in space that you're getting all of this inner life and you're finding out about their feelings and their memories and their thoughts and their emotions, which you can't see in the movie. So I feel like that's what we're missing. I feel like we're missing that emotional core. So yeah. Well, I wonder, mean, oh yeah, Eric, I, I, I was going to say you brought up the, you brought up the book and I know I love hold the dark. And I also know that I'm in the minority with that, but I also read the book before I saw the movie. So when I saw the movie, the movie did things that the book did and the book added mm-hmm. stuff that the movie didn't have. And I wonder, cause yeah, you say that about, about this one. And I think you might be right. I'm really curious to read the book now to see if that might be the same same idea maybe the movie can do stuff that the book can't the the book can do stuff that the movie can't maybe the tool maybe elevate each other a little bit well i feel like for example once again not giving anything away but the whole relationship what's going on on earth in the book maybe is not a surprise at all like that's Mm -hmm. a known thing through the whole book i'm guessing and that that relationship is just a way of understanding more about Clooney. but here like i Honestly, except for a couple flashbacks, I know nothing about Clooney other than he's doing some kind of dialysis thing. He helped create this mission to this other planet and something that happened in the flashback, I know about flashback. I know about him, but other than that, it's like, eh. I mean, he's a loner. He's, he's the guy who created, he bridged a world to another world, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you're supposed to infer, but the fact is, like you said, he's just, he's very silent. He's very terse and. I, I don't want to get in too much about the twist or anything like that, but yeah. the the Earth, uh, there's so many great, great things I love about this movie, but there are so many moments where I just, I was going to give it four stars, but I'd, I'd have to knock it down to a three and a half. There is a moment in this movie, in the space station, the space <laughs> air, spaceship, where there is a, a moment of levity and they pull out a moment 
a oh, song, oh, a, no. song oh, so a song that you were not supposed to put. I remember when they were leading up to, to singing something, I, I said, please don't make this be the song. And they made it be the song. They made it be the song. Please don't do it. It's been, it's been done before better. And when it was done better, I still was PO. They used that song. It's so no. And then, I'm not going to say when this happened. Demian Bashir, we know him from that movie, A Better Life. He's such an amazing actor. He's an astronaut in the movie. He has a very small role. He delivers an amazing monologue. And I'm thinking, wow, this amazing monologue comes out of nowhere. And that's the best part of that entire space station, space yeah. part that I saw. And I go, wow, I could just have Demian Bashir talking for about 40 minutes about life. And that would be more interesting than what I saw Felicity Jones do and Kyle Chandler do. And it's not their fault. It's the yeah. script. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you later what uh, my, like what we came up with before the end is what we thought the twist could have been. That would have been more interesting. I won't tell you what it is now, but oh, I'll tell you cool. off, the, off the clock. Cause me and my kid, the whole time we're talking about it being some different twist. Cause the, we thought that twist would be so stupid if it actually were the case and it ended up being the case. And we're like, Oh, that's it. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, I, yeah. en- I ended up liking it. It had a lot of major strikes. Eric, you're, you're gonna say something? Oh, sorry, they were screaming for a second. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, when I so when I first saw George Clooney in this, because he had the the short hair and the in the beard, and he looks a lot like Nick Offerman. So right away, I was like, oh, I wonder what this movie would be like with Nick Offerman in the lead. And I think that would be a much better movie. Yes, oh, very interesting. Yeah. George Clooney was actually George Clooney was actually really good in this. But I was like, why when? He looks so much like Nick Offerman and Nick Offerman's got kind of a different, I can't quite put my finger on it, but Nick Offerman's just got something really great about him that I can't quite put my finger on. And I didn't grow up, you know, I didn't watch the uh, Parks and Rec that a lot of people know him. So I know him from uh, Heartbeat Loud Loud and Hero and stuff like that. The founder. So I I know him as this great actor. And then, and so when I look at George Clooney looking kind of like Nick Offerman, I'm like, God, why didn't they get Nick Offerman? And I saw it directed by George Clooney. I'm like, oh, okay. That's why. Like if there would have been more humor and more curmudgeonly, like even if it had been more like a true grit kind of thing, like I could see. Yeah. Mm. Like if his character would have been like he was, but like even more, like more of a humorous, like slight edge to it. That could have been great. I can see Nick Offerman totally doing that. I, again, I recommend this movie. Again, another big strike. I forgot to mention to you guys. We're going to be covering Hal Ashby next week for Find Your Film. And little spoiler, one of the things I love about Ashby, and I'm going to reiterate this again on Bruce's podcast for on Spotlight on Hal Ashby, is a lot of times the movies that we covered, being there in the last detail, a lot of times the score of the movie mm-hmm. is ambient noise. The noise that's just lived in organic noise. And that really, the the acting, the story, the the lines, the moment is the actual music. So the music you don't hear. It's it's if if you hear music, it's really way off in the background. This movie could have used a little bit of a subtle hand with the score. There are moments that when I go, turn down the score. We do not need this. The, and it would have worked. Stop with the score. And I go do what Hal Ashby did. Take out of the music. It becomes more effective. Eric. I, I was going to say, I might have to disagree with you on that. Oh, I, I, I completely hear what you're saying. Yeah. And normally I would agree. I actually really like the score. In this movie. Yeah. I, I like the score too. Uh, I just... But but uh, yeah, to your point, it was standing out, but I was listening to it and I'm like, dude, this is a fucking banger. I would listen to this like 
by itself. Fair enough, I, yeah. I, I, I actually, I actually really dug the score, but I mean, to your point, it does kind of, it does kind of stand out. I didn't mind it because I, I did like the music in it. Quite Very cool. A bit, Fair enough. Bruce, do, do I have a point there, or do you think you you actually like the score as the well? The score it, didn't bother me. The sing along bothered me, but the score didn't bother me really that much. You know? <laughs> the sing along was was. I don't know how that made it through the cut. I was like, I oh, I just oh. don't know. You know, oh, I, I was happy with the sing along. I'm happy that they didn't do the two I know. things that they I did. That they, they should would have done otherwise in the sing along that they did not do in this. I'm like, thank you for avoiding that. And oh, Tennessee whiskey. I fucking hate that song. <laughs> so when when that when it opened with that song, I was like, oh no. But I, again, I'm, I'm really shitting on parts of this. But actually, overall, I, I did kind of like it because I think it was a uh, it was yeah the, the parts with uh, George Clooney and the girl. I, I was trying to dance around it, but I mean, it, it you know, it's not really a spoiler, I guess, because that's kind of the thing. But. uh yeah, the the parts on the Earth I really like George Clooney and the girl, and and the space stuff was fine. It's just every time it came up to that point, I'm like, go go back to Earth. Go I want to see. <laughs> I, I want to I want to see that story. But uh, and, and at the same time, to Bruce's point earlier, I really want to read the book and uh, oh. see see if maybe maybe reading the book gives me a different insight on the movie. Maybe makes me see the yeah. movie in a different way that might make it that much better for me. Well, Eric Holmes and I dissected the midnight sky. We threw in a couple of punches, but we ultimately, we would recommend the midnight sky. Bruce Perky, not so much. It's sort of for you. It's nighty night on the midnight sky. Don't even, don't even get close to this movie. Just go watch the Revenant and then go watch another cool space travel movie instead. That's what I would say. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of cool and travel and, and maybe, you know what? I was sort of, I'm not saying I was left out. I'm so glad that Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, they're, they're commandeering the, the interview portion of fi- our Find Your Film universe. Eric, can you tell us what, what have you been up to? What have you and Bruce been up to the last two weeks regarding a movie that all three of us enjoyed? Uh, nothing. Just hanging out and doing a bunch of drugs and fucking up. Oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, we had a uh, we did a couple of uh, interviews with. Uh, I'm gonna mess the name up. <laughs> um, Don't <so>. you dare! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Elliot James Langridge. Yes, <laughs> we did an uh, interview with uh, Elliot Langridge and Sally Collett. 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 We couldn't quite figure out how to pronounce her last name correctly. I think it's Collett, but uh, they were uh, two of the stars, and uh, Sally was actually one of the writers of a movie that I saw, The Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud, starring Scott Adkins. Have and- you, are you, Eric, are you a fan of Scott Adkins? Do you like his stuff? I, You know, I've heard of him. I've, I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's no secret. I fucking love Scott Atkins, loving him to death. And uh, fucking, uh, oh, what the fuck's his name? Chibs, Tommy Flanagan. Chibs yeah. from Sons of Anarchy, Tommy Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in this. This movie is, uh, it, okay, so basically it's a, a girl and she's Sarah, I think her I think mm-hmm. her name is. Yep. And she's playing a video game and she gets sucked into the video game. She's playing Max Cloud, the video game. And she gets sucked into it. And then her uh, friend comes by to uh, meet up with her. And he's like, where is she at? And then he finds out, oh, shit, you're in the video game. So hold on. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dramatic tension. <laughs> All right. We got a naked baby over here. I'm not naked. <laughs> yeah, you're not I naked. All right. Yeah, you want to say hi? You want to say hi? Hi. Okay. Hi. How are you? <laughs> we might have to cut this part out. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. She's hanging with family. All right. You want to say hi? And then you want to go say hi and go night night? All right. Cool. I guess he's, <laughs> he's out. Hold on. So it's called The Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud. I think, didn't for one, one second they called it Max Cloud? Well, if you look at the poster, it says Max Cloud in big letters. But right above it, you'll see really small, The Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud. Right. So, all right. Yeah, so, are we back? And yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yeah. So her, uh, she gets sucked into the video game, and her friend comes over and notices she's sucked into the video game, and now she's got to play the video game to get her out somehow. It's kind of silly and really funny, and uh, this is uh, I'm not sure how to like if you're in the movies like uh, probably The Wizard or uh, Inner Space stuff, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it's a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously, has a lot of fun with, with the, with the tropes of video games. And one of the things, and I didn't get to bring this up in the interviews, uh, because then it would just be a Scott Atkins interview without Scott Atkins there, but, uh, Scott Atkins, we all know that he can fight and on screen, he looks like a badass. He does some really weird fight things in here because you see like, uh, like fighting games where the, the sprites are just hand down, hand up. Leg down, leg up, you know, that sort of thing. The the moves are really restrained. One second. Yeah, the moves are really restrained, Bruce. He was, he was talking about how silly it was. Did yes. you get into the whole silliness of it as far as... I, the- I think, yeah. I mean, this is one of those movies that it, it has no pretension and you have to kind of take it for what it is. I mean, the audience isn't for... It's not like a serious satire. It's not going to be making big political things. It's, it's you know, it's kind of aimed somewhat at a younger audience anyway. Now, one thing I didn't think he mentioned, he didn't mention that it is a period piece. So they are getting sucked into a video game. Uh, the video game is in the past. So you get that 16-bit, you know, style kind of side-scroller yeah. video game. And yeah. one thing I really appreciated about it, and he's going to talk again about the the fighting style and stuff, but one thing I really appreciated about it was they took a lot of care to create quite a few sequences in the actual video game to show us that look really good. They look like a video game for the time. They look fun and interesting, and then they'll keep tying those back and forth between the actual actors. And I thought that was a lot of fun. And then they definitely play with the idea of video game play and like how that might manifest when they're, when you see the real life versions of them in the game and how it's affecting them in a game way. Uh, and we talked to the, one of the actors or actually we talked to um, Sally who wrote it about writing the idea of, you know, like the character bumping into the wall all the time and that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of fun, but um, Eric can talk more about the fighting stuff he was going to say too. Well, we're certainly going to try to talk about the stuff I was going to try to say. There seems to be World War Three going on out there. But yeah, the uh, the fighting style in his movies are really, usually really brutal. Or uh, he's really good about adjusting his fighting style to what the movie demands. And this one demands a very specific type of fighting style because he's a video game character. He's Max Cloud. He's not a human in the real world. He's Max Cloud, so he's got like limited movements and really short kind of kicks and punches, and he, he actually pulls it off really good. It, if you watch the trailer, you could see almost exactly what I'm talking about. And he's got a real—I uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, but he's got a uh, 
real Buzz Lightyear kind of quality. And mm-hmm. Sally actually pointed that out in the interview. But yeah, this she is said, uh, she said Buzz Lightyear mixed with Ron Burgundy, right? Is that what she said? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that's actually perfect. <laughs> All right, yeah, I forgot about the Ron Burgundy part, and that that's absolutely uh, accurate. Um, Max Cloud, this you know, it, if you're looking for uh, you know, it's the end of the year. If you're looking for Oscar contenders, it's not that kind of movie, but this is definitely a fun movie, and this is. I think this is probably a movie that kids would like. And I don't recall, I don't recall a lot of like there's violence, like video game violence, but there's not like a lot of blood or anything like that. No, no, no. Not like Scott Atkins movies typically are. This one's just, this one's just fun and funny and had a, had a bunch of uh, really cool uh, video game details in it. (laughs) They're going crazy. Had some really good video game details in it. I thought it was just really fun. Escapist fair. And it's directed by Martin Owen. And I loved his movie last year. It's a movie called killers anonymous. So that's a, I I like him as a filmmaker. I, this is completely different from killers anonymous, but I, I enjoyed actually Tommy Flanagan also stars in killers anonymous. Really, that's a really cool movie for, for you guys to check out, Killers Anonymous. But I thought Max Cloud, for me, this movie, as soon as you got into the whole gameplay of it all, it gained momentum. It's Agreed. An 88, yeah, 88 minutes, but it's like, I like to liken it to um, a football terms, a running back starts off a little bit slow, but then as the game goes, he gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and, and you're, all, you're pulling for him. And yes. I, that's how I felt about this movie. I feel like as you start to get kind of the flavor of it and fall into it, if you can kind of get into that flavor of it, I think it's a lot of fun. And, and, and it's like you said, it's just light and silly and fun. And I really liked the, the kid who played her friend who was outside yeah. playing the game. Yeah, and I thought, I thought he had a really good uh, energy to kind of uh, bounce off of the energy within the game. And, and he had a kind of a hard job to do because he was acting pretty much against nothing, you know? So I, I thought that was a lot of fun as well. And it was like, like um, Eric mentioned, it's fun to see these kind of hard boiled um, actor that always play hard boiled characters playing just these kind of silly day glow video game, <laughs> you know, tropes. So uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's not really a hateable movie. Yeah. It's, it's just, there's no you, fat man. Yeah. Oh, come <laughs> are you, what are you doing? Fat man, by the way, listeners don't, we, <laughs> Bruce Perk is trying to throw in the fat man here, but I really love, Fat man. This, you know what? Max Cloud is really for me a good natured. It's a very good natured film. Really enjoyed it. So that is Max Cloud. It it is now. It comes out. It's available on all digital platforms starting Friday, December eighteenth. Bruce, how were the interviews with you and with you and uh, Eric? How do they go? Both Sally and Elliot are super friendly, and you guys should definitely check out the interviews and and, and hear what they have to say because we also talk about you know, kind of what some of their influences. We talk about some of the stuff that um, she's working on as far as her writing and directing. She has some stuff in the works and some future um, projects with the same director, which is a little different. They have a thing coming out called Twist, which is kind of a modern take on um, Oliver Twist. And there's an amazing cast in that movie if you look it up on IMDb. And Elliot, he's got a huge range from seeing him in this movie where he has to kind of play one of those, in a sense, he's playing a body swap because he has to play a young girl who is in this male video game character. So he has to kind of play that idea of kind of a body swap sort of a thing. Uh, and he has a lot of fun with it, but you would think like, Oh, it's just light. You know, he's, 
you know, he's doing fine for what he does. But then if you go back and see some of his other movies, he's played some very dramatic and um, impressive roles. So it's kind of great to see all of these actors in a sense, kind of out of their element and just having a good time. Um, so if it sounds like something that's up your alley, you have some younger kids, maybe you have some nostalgia, especially for that kind of old school video game era. To me also, I didn't say this, but it almost reminds me of the older Disney live action movies you used to get. Those kind of really right family friendly, fun, nothing too serious. You can just put it on and it's, it's just, it, it's just a fun time. So that would be yeah. kind of my sell for it. So that, uh, you know, here on my email, it says Max Cloud, but it's called The Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud. Eric Holmes is previously indisposed right now because he's handling some family stuff. It's just me and Bruce for the next several minutes. We'll, we're going to get back to Max Cloud and maybe a couple of those interviews in a second. But before uh, we do that, Bruce, what is your first recommendation this week? My first recommendation, this is a movie that's been kind of floating around for a couple months. It's still only available for video rental on demand. It's gone down to about two or three bucks. So it's very affordable. And this will probably drop into the um, one of the streaming services within the next couple months, because it's kind of, that's kind of seems to be the cycle right now. So kind of keep your eyes out for this. This is a movie called Spontaneous 2020 directed by, and I want to get it right, Brian, I think it's Duffield is how it's spelled at least. Um, It stars uh, Catherine Langford, as uh, Mara and Charlie Plummer. I love Dylan. Charlie Plummer. I love him. Yeah. So Charlie Plummer from Lean on Pete, which I need to see still. That's on my must watch list. Oh, that'll break your heart. Yeah. And, you know, Catherine Langford, she was in Knives Out. Yes. Yeah. Been in a bunch of other things, but this, unfortunately, this is not released in the theaters really widely. It would have been, I bet you this would have become a cult hit. So do you know anything about this, Greg? <laughs> I know I know a little bit about it. Oh, I know a little bit about it right now. Probably. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, no, no, yeah. but I knew a little bit so about it. When movie, I was, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a movie when I saw the poster. The poster is super bright, shows the two kids, blonde kids, uh, you know, a, a bright heart, and it says spontaneous. And it just looks like, uh, like a Nickelodeon movie or something. And I just thought, I kind of discounted it. And then slowly, all these friends that I know who love movies kept saying, this is a good movie. This is a really good movie. This is a great movie. You should check it out. So I finally said, okay, I'll check it out. The concept also sounds like it would be terrible. And that is within the opening seconds, uh, it's the Mara character sitting in class and the girl in front of her explodes. Now you don't see it. You just see everyone getting showered in blood, but that's the beginning of the movie. And the concept is that the, that members of this senior class will randomly explode at any point in time and they never know when and where. And I would say the best way to describe kind of the tone of this movie is to think sort of Heather's, but not quite as mean. So it it, it has a love story element and the chemistry between uh, Charlie Plummer and Catherine Langford is, is great. They're both a little bit of outcasts, you know, she's kind of looks like the cheerleader type girl, but she's a little bit sarcastic and a little bit more edgy than, you know, kind of the bubbly normal teenage girl or whatever you might think. And he is a little bit shy and would never have asked her out or said he liked her until this happened. Mm. Wow. So the idea is the idea of this is it's kind of a, a really high concept way to basically force these young people to go, wow, I might die at any moment. 
I better take my chance now so that he takes his chance with her, you know, and that kind of leads to them going down a road with the movie. The things that are great about this movie though, is the humor is sharp. It's funny. uh, It's poignant. It is not afraid to have the actual crazy premise be real. It plays it as a real thing so that at any moment, one of your main characters might explode. So as you start to slowly develop uh, uh, liking all these characters, you become more and more worried about them. It's just a ton of fun. It's really good. It actually gets emotional. It's got a political aspect to it. If you want to, you could imagine this is a, you know, metaphor for what, you know, disease, school shootings. It could be all kinds of things if you want to, but it doesn't ever go down and make it that kind of a direct comparison. I think this is going to be a huge, slow cult favorite as people discover it. I think people get beyond the poster and beyond the expectations like I did and actually give it a chance. I think people will fall in love with this movie. And if, if anything is, is there any justice in the world, Catherine Langford will become, this will be a star making turn for her. She owns this movie. You know, Charlie Plummer is, yeah, Charlie Plummer is great, but it is her movie. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. I can't wait to see spontaneous. That is a huge, so this is huge recommendation for you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's one of those movies that makes you feel good, but also it has some emotion to it. This is just one of those movies. that's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of a revelation. It's kind of like when you saw maybe election for the first time. Wow. I think. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, elections a lot more sharp and a lot more, I guess, pessimistic about the world, but this is almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, 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 it's a really beautiful film. Honestly, it's, more than you would think. And I think this is one thing I brought up in my review because I did my review on Russell Meyer on this is that it drop it name drops two movies and it kind of plays with the idea of two movies. And it's, it talks about Cronenberg and it talks about ET. And if you kind of think of those two mashed together, that will kind of give you a taste of kind of the emotion, but also the kind of weirdness of, of this movie. It's beautiful, beautiful movie. Wow. Well, it just seems like one of these, this is just proof that sometimes it is sad that theaters have been closed. A lot of theaters in the U.S. have been closed. This is one of the things, one of those movies you could have probably seen, like what, on a matinee on a Sunday, Bruce? One of those type of Yeah, and I think this is one of those movies that would have got great word of mouth because this is a movie that can appeal, would appeal to its, its intended audience could definitely be, you know, a teenage audience, but better than, way better than your average teenage movie. But then as some adults you know, grown older people like myself start to catch it. They'd be like, wow, this is actually a, a, a great movie. Kind of one of those genre movies that transcends its own genre. It's, it's really well written too. And I think that's probably the key to what makes it so great. Is it just the writing is spot on. The tone is perfect. Beautiful. Okay, well, that is spontaneous. What if someone said, hey, you know what? I'm going to wait till it gets on streaming in a couple months. But if they had a couple bucks on their wall. Wa- it's uh, worth in- it. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, I can't imagine very many people if they if they looked at it and thought it sounded kind of interesting. I don't think any of those people would be disappointed. I mean, if you're really like that does not sound like it's for me, then sure, wait for it to be streaming and you might still be pleasantly surprised. But the people who think like that sounds kind of cool, it's it's worth your three bucks or two bucks or whatever it is for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, so that's spontaneous, Charlie Plummer. You know what? And Catherine, what Langford? Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm really excited to see that Piper Piper Parabo's in there. Okay, Piper. <laughs> As yeah, the happened? mom, 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Piper. Yeah. We grew up on Piper Parabao. Yeah. yeah Parabu, Parabao, Parabu. <laughs> I never done say it. I think she was in Coyote Ugly years ago, yes. if I recall. Yeah. Yes. My Piper. We, we love our Piper. And uh, <laughs> Pido it is. Okay. Horrible. But uh, so yeah, spontaneous. That is, uh, I'm going to definitely pay for that before it hits streaming. I have one pick. I have one pick for this episode. Ma oh. Rainey's Black Bottom. Is that... Bruce Perky, have you heard about this movie? Is this a movie that it's on your watch list as far it, as that goes? I, I saw just recently that it was a movie. I have read the play a million years ago uh, by... August Wilson from Fences. Yes, August Wilson. Yes, yes. So I'm aware of the, of, of the property, but I'm not aware of the new movie of it. So Were you a fan of... Fences. Did you like Fences, that, that, that play, the, the movie? Did you like it? I did not see the recent movie of it, but I really liked it, the play. I've read the play before. So. Oh, okay. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so definitely, you should definitely see the movie. This one, again, August Wilson, like we said, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom comes out on Netflix December 18th, right around the corner. And it's Chadwick, we mentioned this, Chadwick Boseman's last role, final performance, very quick plot summary. It's a recording session in 1920 Chicago. A band of musicians await a late their boss. Their boss is Ma Rainey. She's she's known as Mother of the Blues. Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey's played by Oscar winner Viola Davis. You know everyone loves Ma Rainey, but there is a trumpet player, trumpeteer named Levy, played by Chadwick Boseman. Levy, he's the young one of the entire group, and he believes that he has. The way they approach Ma Rainey and the rest of the band approach the music is too old timey in the 1920s. He knows how to really jump it up, put a little bit more bebop and, and jazz or just a little bit more rhythm into a lot of their arrangements. So most of the movie, it's only 90, I believe it's 94 minutes. A lot of the movie has Ch- Chadwick Boseman's character, Levy, and a, several other band members just talking in a room, talking about Ma Rainey, talking about their lives. So it does feel like a play, but if you love the words, if you love the performances, if you love Chadwick Boseman, Viola Davis as Ma Rainey, this is a huge recommendation. First of all, I love the length that it's only an hour and a half, but for 94 minutes, there's a lot of meat, narrative meat packed into Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Obviously, the time in the 1920s, they deal with racism, they deal with you know how art African-Americans and, and, and their contributions to music, how that probably we're assuming probably Ma Rainey d- didn't get for every dollar she made for the, the record company. She, um, we're assuming she didn't make a dollar. It wasn't a one-to-one kind of transaction. So there's a lot. And then Levy played by Chadwick Boseman. He actually, there's a lot of, it's a really well-developed character. And what's great about it is Chadwick Boseman knocks this role out of the park. It's called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom but it's Chadwick Boseman's film. He is the main character in this film. And you're ultimately waiting for Ma Rainey. She actually has a, a way of doing her music. And he has a new way of doing her music. You're waiting for the end when there's going, going to be that final confrontation. Not going to spoil too much though. I will say that you might think that's what you're going for with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but it's actually a lot deeper than that it's really a great story about some really the ensemble everyone gets a chance to shine in this movie and it's just really if you like watching a play in front of you 
with great actors. We're talking about falling in love, how they elevate the material. But yeah. instead of yeah, with this time out, it's written by August Wilson. So you know the the a the right. words are going to be great. B the performances are going to be great. So this is to me, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a no brainer. Chadwick Boseman obviously will get an Oscar nom- nomination, possibly win. I don't know if they're going to put him for supporting actor. I think legitimately he should be best actor because it's a lead role, but then Viola Davis will get another nomination for this movie. Denzel Washington is a producer on the film. Obviously he and Viola Davis work together on fences. I just realized that right now, Eric Holmes, are you excited about yeah. Ma Rainey's black bottom? You excited to see that movie on, on Netflix? Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And uh, hopefully I can stick around a bit longer. Um, yeah, can yeah. I take can I take a time for a second? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh we got uh we got some family issues going on. No I don't problem. know how I'm supposed to step out of this, but uh maybe black out my screen or I I don't know. But uh Okay, this, yeah, happen- yeah. this happens once in a while, not often, but it's happening right now and I don't think it's gonna clear up anytime soon. Okay. 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 Well you know what? How about this? Eric Holmes, why don't we see you next week? You wanna say goodbye? Yeah. We can uh, handle it. All right. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I think we just connected, disconnected with Eric Holmes. Wait, hold on. Oh. Yeah, I think we just disconnected with Eric Holmes, but I think he's fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. But yeah, Mar Rainey's Black Bottom, definitely we will. Oh, he just he just signed off. He just signed off. So we will get back with Eric Holmes next week with our Hal Ashby episode and some more stuff. You know what? I have to say, Eric Holmes, he's going to be backlogged. We're, you know, we're, we're going to have a, a super long episode next week. So instead of That's three right. recommendations, he will have six recommendations. We're going to oh give him God. a we're going to give him a pass for that. He has he has some family stuff to deal with. We all have family stuff to deal with. But Eric Holmes, he is our Johnny on the spot. Congratulations on Eric Holmes for actually stay just really spearheading the. Max Cloud stuff. What is the full name again, Bruce Perky? The, the Intergalactic, Intergalactic Adventures, Adventures of Max Cloud. Max Cloud. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thanks to, to, thanks to, uh, to Eric Cones for spearheading that and having Bruce Perky. Bruce Perky, can I say you were his Robin to his Batman this week? Last couple of weeks on this? I, uh, yes, I would definitely be the Robin. He will be the Batman. I might be the Alfred the Butler, maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> did you feel... We don't, no, I'm not saying Eric... Wait, how did Eric Holmes do as an interview? This is he his did first great. Two. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's like, other than me saying like, Eric, now ask a question. So I mean, I would do that. But then once he was there, he just did it. Yeah. I just think I just think he needed someone to say, now it's your turn. But other than that, I mean, on, on the second interview, he... He just stepped in and just did, he could have done the whole thing himself, but you know, I think he just doesn't think he's as good as he is, but oh, well. I think afterwards he felt a little more confident. So next See, time, maybe it's be all him. Yeah. Well, you know what? The reason why I don't step in and do these interviews with you is because instead of saying, Eric, please ask a question. You probably say, Greg, don't ask a question. <laughs> so no. I'm so glad you guys Never. did the interviews. Never. I can't wait. I, you know, in all in all fairness, I haven't. I, I, you know, just been taking care of Claire and doing watching all the movies. I can't wait to actually listen to both those interviews back to back again, listeners. Your intergalactic adventures of Max Cloud interviews will be featured on this week's feed of Find Your Film. I'll be releasing those back to back interviews this Friday, right, right after this episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you're gonna get more Eric Holmes this week. We, Eric Holmes was cut short this episode, but we still have a lot more recommendations from Bruce Perky. But again, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, high recommendation. Chadwick Boseman, fantastic performance. And I haven't seen all of Chadwick's movies. Have you, 
Bruce, have I have not. Um, I listened to our friend Andrew Martin. Andrew Le- watches movies. Yeah. Um, come back to us anytime you want to. And he did a really great kind of retrospective on Chadwick Boseman stuff. And it made me want to go back and watch some of the movies that I haven't seen of his. And I was going to actually ask you, did this just either inspire you to want to see more of his movies or also just make you a little extra sad that this is like probably one of the last things you get to see him in that's new? Well, I'm extra sad that while he was living, I didn't see a lot of his movies other than Black yeah. Panther. And so I want to see his portrayal of Jackie Robinson, his portrayal of yeah. James Brown. He he is amazing in this movie. He has a lot of long, showy monologues that under lesser talent would have been... No, 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 no disrespect to August Wilson, but it's really actorly type of just monologues. Right. And he, he just kills it. He kills it. Just like Denzel Washington killed and Viola Davis killed the performances in Fences. He is the heart and soul of this movie. Ensemble is fantastic, but this movie is really, again, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Viola Davis, great in this, but this is really a showpiece for Chad, Chadwick Boseman. And there's going to be a lot of talk regarding Ma Rainey's Black I, I know, Bruce, you're going to probably see this sooner oh, yeah. than later so and yep and by the way you will be rev- and i wouldn't be surprised listeners that you know we're eventually we're going to get back to the video podcasting and archiving i didn't tell bruce that i actually this the last several days my my mac has gone in on blitz i'm gonna and it's that's horrible but the thing is here's the good news folks we are not just a podcast that once we release a podcast the the episode will go into just will become invisible unless you search it on the podcast directory. No, we're going to turn some of our old podcasts and turn, put them in an archive on findyourscene.com. I didn't tell Bruce this, but a couple of days ago, the, uh, my old website was just migrated to a new website, meaning it's going to be really fancy and new listeners. I'm going to take the next couple of weeks in December to actually beef up our findyourscene.com site. We'll use it as a living and breathing interactive archive for find your film we are a weekly podcast, but most importantly, I want to I want to find your film among all three of us to be an experience, not just for us, but most importantly for you guys. So whenever you go to our website or our podcast, these movies that we talk about one week, we're going to continue. Just it'll continue to live and breathe, you know, just like the Mario Baba stuff, the Satoshi Khan stuff. You know, eventually we're going to get to weathering with you and your name. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to be swimming in and out within this whole find your film universe. That's something that you were excited about, right? From the get go. Absolutely. Just, yeah. yeah. I yeah. love the idea of being able to go to like, cause like I said, I think to you way back when you first kind of mentioned the idea of it is that I was one of those people that always would have a, uh, you know, like a movie book it was a book of all these like reviews, like, you know, thousands of reviews. And I would go like to one movie review and read it and then be like, Oh, that actor was in this movie and they go find that review. And it just kind of, I like the idea of having kind of a digital web version of that, where you just kind of can go down a rabbit hole and just get ideas. And I, I love to discover hearing about something I'd have no clue about and going and finding it and watching it. And like, you just discover something brand new that you never knew existed. And I, you can constantly do that with movies. And I think that's what I love about movies, that constant discovery and hopefully that's what we bring to people is a little bit of that. Every episode, maybe there's one thing you've never heard of. And you're like, what is that? That sounds cool. And you go check it out and you've got something new to seed your brain. You know, there's going to be a news piece. I, I got to bring up to you after you do your second recommendation. I'm going to look it up right now. As we speak, Bruce Perky, what is your second recommendation 
this my week. second recommendation and we can go ahead and have eric um, rewind this next week because i know he's seen it and that is northern soul uh from 2014 it's streaming on amazon prime uh directed by elaine constantine i believe i wrote it down and it's hard to see on my paper i can't read my own writing um <laughs> and she hasn't done much else so how did this come up so once again, this is our tie-in. We interviewed one of the actors from Max Cloud, and his name's Elliot James Langridge. And like any of our interviews, we always ask, you know, like what you know, movies inspired you, and so on and so forth. But in this case, we also asked him, like, what 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 of his movies does he really think people need to see? And this is one of his first movies, one of his first roles, and he's actually the lead in this movie. Uh, he plays John Clark, and this is Elliot James language. The only probably person you would know in this movie is Steve Coogan, and he plays a teacher, but he's a small role in this. So what is Northern Soul? This is a perfect example of what I was just talking about. Something I knew nothing about. Have you ever heard of Northern Soul? Do you no, know what sounds, Northern Soul is? It sounds like a Van Morrison song. Right. Right. So this takes place in 1970, early 1970s, 1973, 1974. Uh, Northern Soul was a movement in, especially in North England, and it was a club movement. And what it involved was it was a specific, there was, they had a specific kind of dancing that went with it. There was underground clubs and all of these working class young English kids were searching out and trying to find the most obscure American soul music from mainly from the mid 60s. And they would play them at these shows. And it was almost like almost like DJing became later for like hip hop and stuff. But before that, they were doing this. And it was like this kind of secret underground club. So I guess the best way to describe this is a great companion piece to something like Sing Street or some of those kind of movies where you've got these, um, you know, kind of working class kids. They have like no future. And honestly, you know what I would really relate this to? Saturday Night Fever. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Think of Saturday Night Fever. People who haven't seen it think it's just this disco movie, but it's really about this guy living a terrible, super, you know, kind of a low, his life is not very good. And he lives for the moment so he can get to the club and dance. And this is very much like that, but it's kind of a combo. They want to discover that that hidden gem that no one's ever heard, the this, this secret soul single, and they also want to dance at these clubs. There's a specific kind of dance that they do. And this exists. After I watched the movie, I um, went and looked at it, and yeah, this is a thing. This is a big thing. Almost like a weirdly, almost, uh, it was almost a rebellious thing, too. And um, I'm, so essentially... I'm, I'm thinking of the soundtrack. Done, the soundtrack must be amazing. The soundtrack is amazing. And you might, okay. if you're lucky, recognize one song, but they're all spectacular these just spectacular great soul wow. songs that you've never heard oh, before it's I'm all so over good that. i'm all so over good it. and yeah. and the feeling of this movie is just wonderful i mean it's just you know super working class factory town a kid that's just doing his best he's just trying to make it and he meets up with a little bit older kid who's in the scene already and he kind of takes him under his wings so you kind of get that older brother kind of feel but it's not and um just kind of diving into that scene and seeing what it's like. And of course there's some drama. Part of the scene is also amphetamines. A lot of them will use tons of amphetamines because they can dance all night. So of course that 
is not necessarily leads to the best <laughs> outcome yeah, for certain yeah. people. So there's some drama kind of built into that, but really, honestly, it's just that life in that time. And I love those kind of movies that just let you just kind of dive into a period and let the daily life of a few characters be the story. And this is what this movie does. And that being said, the main character, Elliot Langridge, if you, if you see him in Max Cloud and then see him in this movie, you'll be like, wow, this kid has chops because he dives into this role and mm. it's utterly believable. Uh, he goes into a pure band and they have to dance. I mean, kind of like Saturday Night Fever, once again, right? He has to dance. He has to act. He has to be all the things in this movie. And uh, it's a, a real awesome find. It's just a great, small, independent movie that you may never discovered. And that's Northern Soul, Amazon Prime. You can see it right now from 2014. That is one of that is my favorite thing to do as far as streaming. I am, you know, this Bruce, I'm a physical media guy, but there are times that when you find something on streaming that you go, you got to give it up. Yeah. And this is one of those movies that, you know, it probably made the festival circuit and probably got a little buzz. But if, if you know nothing about it, Northern soul means nothing to you. You're like, what is, I don't know what this is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's wonderful. All right, Northern Soul, check out the movie. It's on Amazon Prime Video. And yeah, it's a, that will be your tie-in for this whole intergalactic adventures of Max Cloud. Speaking of tie-ins, Bruce, Perky, you and Eric, what, do you have a video that's coming out on your, your YouTube channel, Rustemeyer, in a couple of days? <laughs> yes. The, by the time you hear this, at least, it should be up. Um, just for fun, we decided as a little tie-in, we do our five favorite 90s videos games, because I believe Max Cloud takes place in the early 90s, if I remember correctly. It says it's 91 or something like that. I sure. Honestly, I, I feel bad that I don't know the exact year. And we thought that'd be a fun little tie-in. So we're gonna, we did that and um, you can watch it and see if you agree or disagree. I'm sure that everyone has their own favorites as well. If you're older than some of the people that might be listening to this. <laughs> but um, I was thinking that, Greg, you would have probably had some too, because I think you were a gamer back in those days, probably. I was a gamer. I was a gamer back in those days. But you know what? Back in those days, I was really, and still to this day, I'm, <clears throat> I was really addicted to basketball, ba- NBA basketball. But yeah, I, I've had my run at games. And, you know, it's one of the, and, you know, I've, I've, like you, I've always been a movie person, but it's one of these things. Do you ever think of yourself, Bruce Perky, like what you were, while you were sheltering at home and watching all those movies, do you say, do you ever think to yourself, man, if I wasn't watching 10 movies this week, do you ever think of those three movies I could have not watched? I could have put X amount of hours into, I feel for me, the X amount of hours I wish I could put into was video games. But the fact that as you can relate with our jobs and what we do is it's all about movies, 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 but to a- long answer to your short question yeah, I love video games. I just wish I had more time to play them. Even in the 90s, when I started doing this whole thing, doing press junkets, I would always say, look at this good, great video game. It's out. No, I have to cover this press junket. <laughs> it's been like that for the last 30 freaking years. But enough of my complaining, okay? Bruce mm. Perky, here's the thing. A couple of days ago, December, well, several days ago, December 14th, the lead story on Vulture is Shrek has been inducted into the National film registry what does shrek have to deal have to do with find your film which we established in july it has a absolutely nothing to do with it because the the national the lead is shrek is one of 25 films of quote historical cultural or aesthetic significance that are to be marked for preservation by the library 
of Congress's National Film Registry. One of the 25 films that are earmarked for saving and, and to put and to, to actually put in that bank is the 1950 Ida Lupino film Outrage. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so, so listeners, this is talking about, you know, an example with findyourscene.com. We did an Ida Lupino episode several weeks ago. We, we talked about Outrage, the Hitchhiker on Dangerous Ground. That's not just going to be a one-off podcast. You know, on our website, when, I, when we do some more, some more work, Ida Lupino will be one page of many pages in our website. And we would be adding a lot of whenever there's news about Outrage or Ida Lupino, we will add it to the website. This is the thing about we, we do one podcast, but then that website will be a living and breathing archival experience, interactive experience for you listeners. So I'm excited about that. It's just Yes. And that's a perfect example where two months ago, that would have meant nothing to me. I would have said like, okay, what's Outrage? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do. I can totally. And it's, it's kind of like when you watch the Oscars and you haven't seen the movies and you kind of don't have a stake. But whenever you watch the movies and you have a few favorites, then even though it's the Oscars and the Oscars are what they are, you have that stake and it, you, you, you have an emotional feeling for it. You know, you're like, I want my movie to win, you know? So, yeah. I, I w- we said this, Bruce and I agreed with this going back. I, you know, I'm going to have to please listen to our episode on, on Ida Lupino where we spotlight those films, but outrage again. It's about a woman who's raped and she's dealing with the aftermath of it. There's a lot of elements to the story but Bruce and I were talking about it has one of the most interesting to me relationships and friendships between a woman and a man. I'm not going to specify which it, what it is, but even to this day, 1950, even in 2020, yep. if that kind of relationship was portrayed here uh, in a movie, you were talking about how spontaneous is sort of a spontaneous, really well-written movie. That kind of arc in outrage would still fly today. It would still be considered original because it's yes. so... That's amazing. I, and, and it's 70 years worth of cinema after Outrage. And I don't see that kind of relationship at all in, in a lot of the movies that I watch. So again, listeners, if you can, check out Ida Lupino's Outrage. Bruce, do you have any more movies before we run out? Do you have one I do one? have one more movie. And then we have a special oh, yes. thing to do at yes, the Yes, yes, yes. Okay, David Fincher. I love David Fincher. Can you tell, before you get into our recommendation, tease it. What what's the little thing? Oh, you want to do, do you, you want to do your, uh, your recommendation right now, and then and then um, uh, we'll we're gonna find out what's in the box a little bit later. So let's just say that. Very good tease. Okay. All right. So your final recommendation for this week. Yeah, my final recommendation. So this is an example of how hopefully we can do this. I I listen to other podcasts. Listen to Joe Dante's podcast sometimes. I listen to silly podcasts like Doug Loves Movies, which is usually just kind of fun games, you know, comedy. But every so often, one of his uh, guests mentions a movie they watched that I've never heard of. This is a 2019 movie, although it's really a 2020 movie because it's basically not been released yet. You know what I mean? Like it's sure. another one of those been in a couple festivals kind of movie. They mentioned this movie called. We are little zombies. Now you might think like you hear that and it's like, it's a weird zombie movie. Is it like a kid zombie movie? What's we are little zombies. There are no zombies in this movie. It is directed by Makoto Nagahisa. It's a Japanese movie. And this movie is incredible. It is one of the most out there movies I've seen in quite a while. And so I'm going to describe basic, the basic concept of this. 
it starts out with four young kids. They're all probably about 12, you know, 10 or 12. They all meet outside of the crematorium where their parents are being cremated. It literally starts with the little boy, I think, looking up at the smoke, you know, the smokestack and watching the, the smoke coming out of it. It's like wondering if that's his, his parents. Now, it sounds like, oh, wow, what a downer a movie you're bringing to me, Bruce. This is, this is terrible. So the idea is that they all are connected because they're orphans at this point. And they're also all connected because all the adults say, like, why aren't you crying? Like, why, aren't, why don't you have emotion? And the whole movie is kind of about the fact that they don't show the emotion in a way that the adults think they should. Now, that's enough right there to kind of go like, okay, whatever, that sounds different. The thing you can't describe about this movie is the incredible, joyous, packed energy and imagination that this movie presents. This is like a day glow, nihilistic version of, with the kind of energy that you would get in like natural born killers. So if you think of natural born killers, how he just throws everything at the wall. It's just everything is happening. It's so much that it's almost too much for you to take. This movie does that, but in a brighter, more interesting, more creative. And it could be, some people say it's indulgent. It's like, you know, trying to be too much. I feel like it's just someone just letting it all hang out and just being creative in every way they possibly could. And essentially the first half of this movie is meeting each of these kids and meeting how finding out how each of their parents died and each of them is kind of telling their story and it's done in incredibly weird and creative and multifaceted ways and it's all tied in somehow max cloud to video games so wow. for example so for okay. example you know the first kid hikari will tell his whole story and at the very end he might end up with a walk from the house that blew up and at the very end of the story, when he's done telling it to the story, it'll say walk acquired <laughs> like you would in a, like you would in a video game. Once again, this movie is just fantastic. It's crazy. It's energetic. It might be, it might be too much. It might tire some people out, but every time it started to get to that point for me, it made another turn and went another direction and it, it caught my brain again. I think this is somebody to watch. If you are even slightly interested in the sound of this, but not sure, I would say go watch his short, which you can see for free, called And So We Put Goldfish in the Pool. Mm. Uh, and So We Put Goldfish in the Pool. It's about a 30-minute short, which gives you a flavor and a tone and some of the themes that he's, you can tell he's working them out a couple years before he made this movie. And in that case, it's for... Um, young uh, schoolgirls, And it all starts with, it's based on a true news story where all of these goldfish got released into a swimming pool and it kind of backtracks and leads up to that point. So. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's another interesting story. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So again, you rented it. Wait, it's streaming. This is this. You have to, you have to rent uh, right now. It's only available for rent for a couple bucks. Just like we said before, once again, I don't know how long it'll take for this to get dropped. Someone's going to have to pick this up. Like uh, someone crazy like Shudder might even pick this up, even though it's not horror at all. They call themselves zombies because they don't feel like they have the emotions they should have. That's where the whole zombie thing comes in. And there's a whole musical aspect of this, which I haven't even brought in. There's a whole, whole musical element that comes into yeah. play. I mean, it's just like a multimedia extravaganza of insanity. It, Would this movie... Would this movie still be brilliant if the director used 
the song that was featured in the Midnight Sky and put it in his movie? <laughs> is that how awesome this movie he is? Probably cut it up into a million a million pieces and digitize it into an eight bit soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> then it would then it would work. <laughs> okay, so you're saying it's still bulletproof. It's still an awesome film. So that that's good to hear. That's you know what's yeah. another thing that's good to hear, Bruce Perkies. You have you have some really interesting things that you want to bring that you're bringing in to find your film. I like this idea. How did this idea come to fruit? Come to shape? Are you a big fan of the Fincher film? Of course I am. Yes, Seven is amazing. I actually just thought of this because some of the other podcasts I listen to, Middle Class Film Class, they have a wheel they spin. A lot of of them have that kind of thing. And I thought, well, I'm not going to basically, I'm not going to impose anything upon Eric and Greg, but I love the challenge of being, you know, offered a movie I've never heard of and and watching it. So for me, I'm, I'm fine. I'll take that challenge. So I figured once a week, I would love to have a listener suggest randomly suggest one of the movies that I'll talk about the next week. So oh, that was cool. the idea. And I yeah. thought, okay, well, what can I do? I can't, I don't want to spin a wheel. That's been done. It's like, Oh, what's in the box. You know, that's, that's the whole Fincher thing. Of course. So I said, okay, guys, send me a movie. And as long as I haven't seen it recently, so it's long enough that I don't remember it very well. Or if I've never heard of it at all, I'll put it in the box. And every week I'll pick out of the box, one movie that one of you listeners has suggested and I'll credit you. And then obviously I can that way forward promote it. So anyone out there who's listening, including my co-hosts that want to watch this movie can kind of be in on it with me as we, as we review it. So, and of course I would love to have other people suggest it to me. So go on social media, you know, we're in Facebook, I'm all over the place, but if you can't find me, you know, reach out to me through, you know, Facebook or or, um, our uh, podcast and, and get me and I'll, I'll put it in the box. So as of right now, and if you have the video feed, you can see I am actually holding up a box. I got a little wooden box and I painted it. There is no head of any person in here. <laughs> as of yet. Not yet. I should get a blonde Barbie doll head and put it in here. That would be oh, pretty good. Boy. <laughs> I need to do that. And I think as of right now, I have about 10 entries in here. My kid even entered one in, which I thought was a great suggestion. So I thought, okay, go for it. I'm not against that. Oh, and if yours gets picked... I'm picking one right now. If yours gets picked and you would like to contribute either in writing or you could send me a quick little recording or something of your thoughts or why you wanted this one, we'd love to hear that. Because I think anything that engages you guys is just all the more fun because this is a two-way street. You know, we, yes. can, talk it, we can talk at you guys an hour and a half a week, but it's so much more fun if people are talking back to us, you know, so... That's yeah, why. let's hear it. Let's, that's, yeah, I'm excited. Right. I have chosen the box? ones. Okay. I rolled them all up so I can't even see them. They're all rolled up in a little rolls. And all right. Unrolling the first one here. The first winner or the first movie that is in the box was suggested by, oh, we've never mentioned Angie Clark before, have we? A couple of times. She just basically saved our butts a couple of times. <laughs> Walter Hill and Ida Lupino. Yeah. And we so love Angie, Angie Clark. Clark. I have seen this movie, but it's been long enough that I don't remember it very well. So I thought I'll put it in the box. And that is The Lives of Others. The Ooh, Lives, the of, lives others. of Others. Wow. Okay. Have you seen that one? I, I saw that a long time ago. I saw that. I, I remember really liking it. If I recall either the actor or the filmmaker has since passed i think the actor the lead actor has since passed little so 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one, I believe, is from, I don't have it in front of me, the IMDb. I think it's from the mid thousands, maybe 2000. Yeah. Early five five or six, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Around that time. Yeah. It was critically The lives praised. of others. I know it has something to do with with um, Eastern Bloc and the the powers surveillance? of surveillance, surveilling, surveilling bit, yeah. the lives of others. Yeah. And I remember it being a very interesting movie and I, I look forward to watching that again. So everybody out there, if you want to hear what I say next week and also watch it and see what your own thoughts are on it, check out the lives of others. Okay. So that's Bruce per- Perky's weekly segment, What's in the Box. That is a very daring segment because he's hopefully he has good selections. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I'm sure. I'd, yeah, yeah. You know me, I'll watch something weird, weird and trashy. That's fine. I gotta think about. <laughs> but I'll what, tell what, you what I think about it. I will tell you. You will tell me. Like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, Bruce Perky is is no shill. He is no shill. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Tenant is a thir- is a turd. He uh, he blew the midnight sky out of the water. <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't care, which is a good thing. He doesn't care because he cares very much. See, <laughs> okay. like I, yeah, that's a twist. Sure, that's I'll a little twist. That, I'll tell it what? to my wife. I, I don't care. I Did you like my much. twist better than the twist in the Midnight Sky? Did you like that twist? Oh God. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> when we get off, the, when we get off the line, don't hang up right away. I'll tell you what my twist was. It been okay. Very, yes. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing: we can't we can't spoil about the Midnight Sky. But if you if you want to listen or or hear Bruce Perky's twist, hit him up regarding the Midnight Sky post December twenty third. That is that's when the movie The Midnight Sky comes out again. Me being a shill and Bruce Perky not Eric Holmes, who's who's we love you, Eric Holmes, and I recommend the movie. We saw some flaws. Bruce Perky did not does not recommend. The Midnight Sky. Anything else before we go? Anything other? Any other thoughts, Bruce? Before we go, any, any other movies or maybe teasing for next week? What? Anything you want to say? Well, I did watch another Baba this week, but I didn't bring it to the uh, to the show. Maybe I'll bring that next week. So uh, there may be more Baba to come. Great, more Baba to come, folks. Mario Baba is a big part of Find Your Film. The aforementioned Angie Clark. There's good. We get we do anime. I'm all about Idol Pino, and then suddenly I'm starting to fall in love for the first time actually with Meryl Streep. So I'll be watching a lot more. You're going to be hear a lot more Meryl Streep reviews from me. I was thinking of doing something Bruce called a Streep a Week starting next week. Streep a Week. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that sounds creepy. Streep a Week, but <laughs> or Weekly Streep. I don't How know. about a Streep tease? <laughs> <laughs> a Streep tease. Anyways, you tease every week what you're going to watch the next week. It's called your Streep tease. I like that Streep tease, right? Streep tease. I like that. That that's cool. Wait, that that I don't know. With with we'll we'll figure that out. We'll figure. That. I mean, you know, maybe if we did the Streep tease back in the '80s when there was all these porkies and hard bodies and hot dog the movie and all that kind of stuff when we were just all degenerates back in the '80s, but now we are fully evolved men in our 50s that's that's with the way well air comes is a young one out of the whole crew so i'm 49 but i'm gonna i consider myself on my 49th year a 50 year old i've been i've been worrying about my 401k all that kind of stuff aarp all that stuff yeah yeah so yeah, bruce you, it doesn't matter 50s are the new new 20s right 50s are the new 20s bruce is that correct they are the new 20s times two yes <laughs> <laughs> okay that is some more wise sage like wisdom wise from, old man wisdom <laughs> wise yes. old man wisdom if you want some more wise old man wisdom check us out on find your film we're on apple Podcasts, 
uh, Spotify, everywhere, Stitcher, on, on, uh, we're everywhere. So wherever you get your podcast, again, uh, thank you so much for your support. And please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts if you can. We love you guys so much. Hit us up. We will see you next week.